Another day, another podcast intro. Uh, make sure you get some Jammu in your life. Ready to drink, ready to dink. Wow, a lot of videos today. Ready to drink Jammu and Concentrate is available online. I recommend getting the Concentrate because you can make your own. Uh, little tip, if you mix uh, Concentrate with soda water, you've pretty much got the ready to drink. So for the... Um, Cost conscious, that's a good little way to get some jammu in your life. If not, the ready to drink is pretty handy. It is pretty good. I will give, I will give us that. Um, it's much nicer to just grab and go, have a little, have a little, um, jammu on the go, opposed to trying to make something. I get a soda stream going. I like to put a little bit of lemon in there. Things, things are going on. Um, yeah, it's much easier to grab that convenience. It's why we make it. Uh, about to be released or being rolled out by Jimmy Bang Bang in stores. I was about to say worldwide. That is incorrect. Uh, we're starting off in little old Adelaide in stores. We're about to go in, well, we're in Foodlands. Um, many of the Foodlands around. Depends how, depends when you're listening to this. Depends when, what Jimmy Bang Bang's been doing. So you can go check it out at Foodland. That'd be great for us because the more it sells there, the more likely they are to, uh, keep buying it from us. Um, if not, check it out online. Uh, discount code. DCE podcast gives you 20% off, 20 smackaroos percent off. That didn't make any sense. Uh, check out Tiny Sumo. He's your boy, Tiny Sumo, the uh, the man with the plan, the man with the podcast, the man of the hour. Uh, punchy, kicky, fight, car, fight, fight, past podcast. Jesus, I need some sleep. Um, punchy, kicky stuff. Interview some good people. Uh, very, very good stuff. Local Australian MMA Right up to UFC fighters, uh, commentators, etc., etc. He he talks he talks to he's a man of the people. He talks to everyone and anyone. Great content. Check it out. Um, yeah, I reckon that's it for sponsors today because I'm brain dead. Uh, on today's podcast, we have returning guest Baron von Steitz. Uh, yeah, listen to the podcast and you'll get that joke. Uh, he does a lot of work with a uh, sports psychology. And then he also has a practice that's focused on OCD, anxiety, and depression. So he does all that psycho stuff. I think that means he can move things with his mind. I might be getting my information a little bit incorrect here, but I think that's what it means. I got I got it from a very re- reliable uh, documentary called Anchorman, that psychiatrists, that's what they mean. They can move things with their brain. Cool. Listen to the podcast. Bye. I'll kiss you on the lips and take you to Italy. <laughs> that is a classic. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Anyway, no time for nonsense. Gotta get down to business. We're gonna get straight to the point. We've got no time for nonsense. No time for messing around. Straight to the point. No time for fluffing about. You're straight to it. Just straight to the point. Just gotta get on with it. Better not be honey with me, bro. Don't you look at me in that tone of voice. Okay, Zane. Now, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce to you from the depths of our twisted imaginations. The DCE Pirate Radio Podcast. It doesn't make any sense. The Pirate Radio Podcast, my friend. You're such an idiot. <laughs> cool. Uh, we got the double. We got the double record. Double whammy. Double record. Let me do the last final little check to make sure that I don't have. All right. Yep. Yeah, so I've got space on my computer also. That helps. That's the last. That's the last problem when you've. Uh... We've been doing lots of videos lately. It takes up lots of space. Um, the only thing, do you want to move your camera? Is that the recording box? 
That's the recording box for one of them, yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because your shoulder is through one of them if you wanted to. And I've got heaps of room. I haven't got room on the couch, but if you turn the camera. You, you, why, don't you, why don't you show me what you're trying to do? It's not going to be on an angle. It's not going to... You don't understand how people with OCD work. Angles. I do understand Angles. how people with OCD work. I've got it. I was having a conversation. <laughs> I went to... Um, you want to introduce our guest before you start rambling? Rambling? Well, I don't know if people want to care about my... I'm just surprised. I'm, I, you know, you must have stuck with me. It's, J- it's Jason Von Steet... Steets or something different Steet. to say, isn't it? That's good. Yeah. I, I had no idea that we were talking to you today, but that's cool because I liked talking to you last time. So I, you, you obviously had an impact on me because I remembered who you are. Yeah, that's right. great. Maybe he's fucking like Jedi mind tricked you. Maybe that's what psychologists do. Yeah, East Coast, uh, West Coast, California. West, fuck, I was close. I was 50-50 chance. Fifty-fifty chance, and you were wrong. Here's a question: Was one of your ancestors a Bond villain? Uh, possibly. Where did the last name come from? Uh, either Germany or Austria. Um, I had, uh, and I, I guess I don't know if this is true, but there's this family story that... Don't let the truth uh, get in the way of a good yarn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't let facts yeah. muddy them. <laughs> yeah. Have you met us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a family story that uh, we had an ancestor who was a baron either from Germany or Austria. And then something happened and he had to, he had to leave his homeland. I, so I guess to, what might've happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was before, this was before uh, something happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, I had an ancestor. Does sound cool. Yeah. I had an ancestor that moved to Indonesia. Uh, it used to be a Dutch colony called the Dutch East Indies. And then they mixed in with those people, and then and then something happened, and uh, a lot of people are America. So that's yeah. what today's podcast is about. Something's happened, and Jason's on his way to Australia. Yeah, something around the nineteen forties, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are we doing today? I'm blind. We're just having a chat. Oh, cool. Having a chat. Um, sweet. What's been happening? Oh, you you broke up. Uh, you, I I missed uh, some of what you said. Uh, can you say that again? Oh, I said I'm going in blind because Matt didn't tell me what we were doing. I said, what are we doing today? And he said, we're just having a chat. Um, so, yeah, what's been happening? Oh, hey. Yeah, let's chat. Uh, so something happened in the 40s. <laughs> yes. my fr- yada, yada, yada. Years, yeah. years. Yada, yada, yada. My family ended up here. And then now we're, we're talking again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't mention yes. the war I did, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> Just in case we've got any new listeners and they haven't heard our that was a faulty preview. Tower, that was a Faulty Towers reference. I got it from The Voice. You put on the Faulty Towers <laughs> voice. Um, Just in case we've got any new listeners, what, why, don't we, why don't we do the intro again? Otherwise, go back and listen to the last podcast with Jason so you can get, a, get an in-depth. So give, us a, give us an elevator of, of what you do and what we're going to bastardized talk about today sure so today we're going to bastardize uh sports psychology and uh, maybe mental health as well uh so i have a phd in clinical psychology but what i typically focus on is sports psychology so i'll work with athletes um i work at a, a local uh university where i work with a lot of athletes doing 
mental health screeners, concussion protocols. I do. I work with teams doing team building exercises, stuff like that. Uh, then I also work in private practice where I see a lot of people for issues like OCD, panic attacks, that kind of stuff. And then I also work with, with athletes in the private practice. Uh, so, for example, I just started working uh, – or actually, I've, I just finished a season with a women's uh, semi-pro soccer team, um, uh, Salsa. And uh, they had their first season. It's a brand-new team. So we, since they're so new, we really focused on teamwork. Yeah. And, like, that was just the main issue, just – drilling teamwork over and over again and uh and they went from uh you know not really knowing each other and um, not knowing their names to really bonding as a team and, and working together so that was one of the things i've been up to lately so i can get some free uh free advice here i got, yeah. I got a question on that so martial arts is a bit mm-hmm. of a unique one so like my biggest thing for my gym is um, I want everyone to feel welcome and I want everyone to feel like part of the team. I'm like, I feel like everything else works itself out. Like the, the fighters are going to fight. The competitors are going to com- compete. My main goal is to make it that everyone feels welcome coming in. So we've got mums and dads. We've got people on the weekend hobbyists. We've got an actual, there's actual people in the room opposed to three dudes in the corner punching each other in the face. Mm. Um, but it's a unique one because it's, you're trying to build a team but it's, it's, it's halfway between a team and halfway between a supporter base. So some of those people, yeah. they're actually training with the competitors, but they're not competing themselves. And, it, and, and it's every, everyone in between. There's some people that, you know, come in once every two weeks and they just want to get their exercise in and leave. There's other people that are really big on the team. There's other, and there's other people that are obviously competing. Have you got any, yeah. have you got any um, one-shot magic bullet fixes to help help build that team culture <laughs> yeah yeah that's hard because uh people are in lots of different places as far as what their goals are yeah uh, yeah um a couple of things that are coming to mind for me off the top of my head um uh if you could have um you know maybe 15 minutes a week or 20, something like that where most people are there yeah. And then you can do some kind of specific like team bonding exercise that could be really helpful. Um, even just, even just kind of asking somebody or asking people their names, getting to know each other, and then having like pairing them up and then having them ask each other those get to know you questions. And then the partner can introduce the other person to the whole group. Yeah. And then that just helps people to get to know each other better. Um, another thing that could be helpful, this would take up a lot more time, but mm. have people, um, come up with like a, kind of like a team mission statement and, uh, everybody contributes to it. So I don't come up uh, with a team mission statement and dictate it to everyone. You could do that, but that's, <laughs> the, this that's is a team mission statement. <laughs> this is what you care about. This is what you yeah. want. <laughs> really don't disappoint me we're going back to um, 1940 again <laughs> yeah yeah and we're back to anyway <laughs> there'll be some of them who will be like oh, I want your approval please uh, but other people might not like it so much yeah I, don't, um, I think you're overestimating how much respect I have in this club <laughs> <laughs> I like your idea yeah. I, might, I might steal your idea for um, the new people I'm trying to think about mm. how to incorporate it in and then – and because we, we've got lots of different people on a different day. Yeah. But I like your um, 
tell us about the person I might do that when new people come in is, is get one of the more uh outgoing people to be like well that that's your that's your friend for the day and at the end when we do our and um um announcements i want you to give me a tell me five seconds tell me two things about this person and introduce them to the group because that's the thing it's yeah. just super intimidating like after after a couple of weeks new people are just one of us and they're making inappropriate jokes and and getting changed where they shouldn't be changed anywhere but not the change room is where you shouldn't be getting changed but but that first couple of sessions if you can settle it would be a well it's an intimidating for everyone so i, I like that idea i might might steal that we did that right, with my yeah. um my local footy team nearly not going to come um we did like a team like it was a team day bond like bonding session thing where we all went on a saturday um the whole group and they did like team building like it was an actual team building day but we had a like a meeting halfway through the day on um you know where we wanted the club to go like what what we thought other clubs' perceptions of us were and, and whether that was good or bad, all that sort of stuff. And it did work. Like, it did work very well. It has bonded. You know, it's a bit harder for us because we're 60 to 70 people instead of 20 to 40. Um, it's harder as well because what I'm doing is not quite it's more of a service environment than what yeah, you're doing. Because, like, yeah. a footy club or a team, you are a team and most people aren't getting paid. Like most of it's all by choice. Yeah. Whereas in mine, it's a little bit more like it's, it's partially what I want it to be is more like that. But at the end yeah. of the day, they are also paying me for a service. Yeah. So there's mm. only so much like I would tell me to where to go for like, what, like I'm paying you to teach me how to do a thing. I'm not coming in on a Sunday yeah. and hit and listening mm. to your philosophies. You can, yeah. Although you guys are pretty culty, yeah. they probably would if you had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to get the balance right. Yeah, I would put it past right. your group to yeah. be like, you could be like, hey, everyone, pay me money and come listen to my yeah. philosophies, and they'd be like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. I'll get a few people in. Well, that that is the other way because it's jujitsu. So I could go like the um, Elron Hubbard. I don't know who that is. Uh, and they've got a he started, he started, started Scientology. Like he, he's um, he's famous for saying, um, if you really want to make money, start a religion. Ah, so he is, that's nothing to do with the telescope. No. But I could, like, I'm thinking, like, I come in at all silk robe, <laughs> and I just come into class, and I'm like, children, because now they're children. Get a smoke <laughs> machine going somewhere. Oh, of course. Come on. <laughs> children, we are not training today. Come sit, sit down and hear a story from Papa. With Daddy. <laughs> nice, nice. And then I have no one left in my club. Yeah, anyway, that's D, right? <laughs> yep. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> this is a man of science. <laughs> anyway. uh, where's your questions then? <laughs> Let's see your questions that are better than mine. Oh, what sort of stuff, like, what, what would you say the top three most common uh, problem, like, I don't want to say problems as in, like, not stress, anxiety, OCD, mm-hmm. but what are there commonly occurring issues that athletes tend to have more so than that like do, do we stress about a specific thing more than than the regular regular person in massive air quotes there um or are we all just we worried, are we all just you throwing yourself in the athlete bunch are you yeah okay just wanted to clarify <laughs> sorry you can't ask good questions leave me alone <laughs> man so that's that's a, a hard question to answer i'm not sure what the research says like, I'm not sure if there's research, research showing that 
you know, these specific issues come up more than others. Uh, in my work with college students, in general, it's depression or anxiety. Like those are those are the big things that come up. And then a lot of um, a lot of athletes are college students, so then they're dealing with those issues. Yeah. Um, so it could be adjusting to like a new environment. They're away from home for the first time. Okay. So then they're depressed. Um, and so how, be- are you, how are you identify? Like, do you, again, I realize it's a very broad spectrum, but for yeah. anyone that's listening, like if it was like, are there specific, like I, I personally understand how anxiety feels to me. Um, what what sort of stuff are you looking for? Like, what sort of questions do you ask? Like, if I was to come in, what sort of like run me through a what what you'd do if I came in to see you as a women's soccer player? <laughs> sure, hey. So um, so we do at at the college I work at, we do mental health screeners for all student athletes, yeah. and that's a part of like their just health check in that they have to go through. Um, and one thing about working with athletes is they always want to come off as doing well. Yeah. So then if, if I ask them, hey. Yeah. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Fantastic. Yeah. Gold medal. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, first I just try to get them talking about anything. Like, hey, uh, so you're, you're a first-year student. You're a freshman. How are you liking campus so far? Or like, oh, you're a senior. How, how are you liking your, you know, your role as a senior and as a leader and all that? I just try to get them to open up and talk. And then um, usually they'll say, like, everything's great. And then I ask them, I'll just say, like, you know, it's, it's really common for, um, for seniors to, to have anxiety about um, uh, getting what, what's going to happen after graduation and getting yeah. a job and all that. And then at that point, and then I'll, say, I'll ask them, like, have you experienced anything like that? And then at that point, they might start to – they'll be more open to opening up. And, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I am a little concerned. So I, I really try to normalize things and let them know like what's going on in general with other people in their situation. And then that helps them to open up. Um, as far as like what I look for in their situation, um, if something is impacting their ability to just live their daily life or do things that they need to do, uh, then that's, that's an issue that uh, hopefully should be addressed. Yeah. So if, Everybody has anxiety about, you know, going to a class for the first time, you know, for yeah. the most part. Normal but, social anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. If you will. yeah. But if they, um, you know, if they're walking up to the classroom door and then their heart's beating really fast and they're thinking, if I walk through the door, everybody's going to judge me. They're going to think I'm stupid. And then, you know, and then they just walk away and don't go to class. Then that's a problem. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. So what sort of stuff would you like – Again, it's interesting. Like I see parallels between some of the like some of the courses and things I've done have obviously been they've never been it's never been taught to me as how to deal with anxiety. But because I used to like in my old in a in a previous life, I did big like presentations to large groups of people. Um, so my Let's call work, it what it is, porn. Yeah, my um, my work sent me to a like a public like a, a course to help me do those presentations. And now like looking back now, a lot of the stuff that they were teaching us in these workshops was essentially how to deal is like controlling your breathing, focusing on what it is that you're doing and shutting out mm-hmm. all of the noise. But it was like, it was very, like I found it very, very effective. Um, so what are there? Like, would you give them, is there like a, a hot list of 
if, if you walk up to class and your heart's beating, out, you know, in your throat, is there like a checklist of of things that people can do to help? Or I guess it changes for everyone. But... Yeah, it, it might be a little bit different for everyone, but you hit on some of like the really big points. Um, one thing, uh, just saying what you said a little bit differently, um, one thing is... Um, Anxiety is your body's automatic response to a threat, threat or yeah. to a danger. Uh, you know, anxiety is meant to be helpful. If there's a bear, then you want to feel anxiety and run away. Yeah. You wouldn't want to just, like, you know, not feel anything and go up and try to pet it. And that would be very bad for you. Yeah. Uh, so, in, so one of the things I'll go over with people is in this situation where they're feeling anxious, like maybe walking into a class, uh, what is the danger or what's the threat it's yeah. for them? So sometimes they think about it and they go, oh, I guess, you know, nothing. And then, and then that helps them. Or sometimes, they, you know, um, they really need to get at the root of, like, what is the danger? Yeah. Is it that they're going to walk in and people are going to judge them? And then if that, if that is it, then what's, what is it that's so terrible about being judged? And maybe, you know, if, if I say something wrong, people will heckle me and they'll yell at me and call me stupid. It'll be really embarrassing because that happened already so then we'll, we'll really like try to dig and see like what is um the the, the danger and then we'll yeah. try to address whatever that is um and then also um a lot of times what's going on is uh like we're at least what, what we're doing in our work together is trying to trying to um uh help someone to uh come to terms with the idea that a thought is not dangerous because people will have a thought of it, and then they just relate that to danger. Like, oh, people, people will judge me. That's yeah. dangerous. And then, you know, their heart will... It bleeds through into everything else. Matt, you, really? your, Matt had a good one for that with, around anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is, as soon as... If, 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 I, if you find yourself feeling anxious, work out whether it's a thought or a feeling. And mm. almost immediately, as soon as you do that, you stop feeling it. Like, it's almost like... When it, when it's fear, when it's when it's just fear, you can't associate it to anything. And then as soon as you're like, okay, is this something I'm thinking about that's making me feel bad, or is it just a feeling of like feeling bad? All of a sudden, you realise you're like, ah, oh, actually, this is just a thought or a feeling. Like there is, you're trying to you're trying to disassociate the mental thought with the actual physical response of the yeah. anxiety. Because then if you have the thought, that's not the issue. It's the, then your body going into the fight or flight response yeah. is the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I've been thinking about it a bit more lately. So, like, the, one of the things when we started was all about, like, you know, we we don't have a clear mission statement or goal. Well, not anything that really makes a lot of definitive sense. Nothing that you could publish in a newspaper. Yeah, no, nothing wouldn't be redacted heavily. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but our big folk, like, well, I suppose what we started talking about was a lot about the the reluctance of men to talk about. Men specifically, well. men. Like, we're more than happy to talk to women as well. If I'm, but I just don't have as much experience as being a woman. Um, <laughs> But about the the old, you know, just shut up and get on with it. Yeah. And the more I think about it, like it's it, the the answer mm-hmm. I've come up to that helps from that's been helping me is almost the yin and yang of that. So it's not it's not the opposite the opposite of shut up and getting on with it would, would you'd think would be keep talking about it and don't do anything, which is not the answer. Not either, yeah. It's whereas I yeah. I think the issue is like there actually is there's benefit in shut up and getting on with it. I think that is. If you look at the stereotypical male protector role, I see why that's beneficial because if there's an earthquake, I want you to just shut up 
and fix the problem. I think the problem that men have is they then they just keep doing that with everything in life. And they don't, mm. and they, they don't ever address it in a, when there's downtime mm. and eventually you just crack. So what I've been looking with more is, is more the, uh, so instead of suppressing it, ignoring it and getting on with it is looking at it, acknowledging it and getting on with it. Mm. So it's you go, okay, cool. I had that thought and then get on with it. And then sometimes afterward, depending on sometimes that's enough. And then other times you need to kind of, when you're having a meditation, when you're having a self-reflection, you're like, oh, I, I go back to the position I was in and you, that's when you have your time to actually long form think about what you were doing. Yeah. I think of it more like um, like massage or stretching or like rehab. It's like, I don't, well, I, I'm at training. I've got to train right now. But because of that training, I did damage to my muscle. So I've got to then go and do my reflection to, to, to fix, fix it, my muscle yeah. so, I can, so I can train again another day. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, to go along with what you're saying, uh, when I work with uh, with athletes on performance related issues, uh, one of the things that we really try to work on is uh, being able to be comfortable with uncomfortable emotions mm. and just focus on the task in spite of how you feel. Yeah, uh, one of the things that really kills people is uh, the idea that anxiety is dangerous or anxiety is going to mess you up. Mm. And uh, so anxiety is is fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not ideal, but you can feel really anxious and be okay. And a lot of times you're going to feel really anxious. You know, if you're uh, if you're in a big tournament that you've never been in before, uh, hopefully you'll be focused and not have that much anxiety, but it might be really overwhelming. Um, so can you feel that anxiety and still focus and perform anyway? And it's, it's it, the anxiety isn't so bad, but it's anxiety about anxiety mm-hmm. that really stops people. Like, oh, I don't want to go do that thing because it's going to make me feel anxious, yeah. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. This probably ties pretty well into the the case study we were talking about. Mm -hmm. I knew it would come up naturally. (laughs) Well, well, instead of hypotheticals, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, because it's far enough in the past that I don't care. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I've spoken about it on the podcast before anyway. Um, But it was almost the opposite of that. So I remember my first jiu-jitsu competition after I'd fought MMA. I did Mm -hmm. not fucking care. Like it was the opposite. Like, so when, when I'm coaching people, like you want to feel anxiety, like you want to feel excitement, mm. anxiety, whatever word we use to make the person feel comfortable. You want to have that fight or fight response because it you makes you perform better. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I just remember got like, but I had a shitty weight cut as well. That didn't help. But I just remember seeing that. I was like, mm. I don't care. I could be, it's, it's Sunday afternoon. I could be home, like watching TV, having a coffee, like just relaxing at home. Like, why am I here? I don't care. This isn't exciting. Like, I, I remember having those thoughts over and over again. I'm like, I just, it, it was, I don't want to be here, but it wasn't, I don't want to be here. I'm scared. It was, I don't want to be here. I'm bored. Right. So I almost, in my head, I put it as the opposite. Is it like I was, I wasn't so over the top excited that I was getting a panic attack. I was, I was so underwhelmed that I just couldn't get up for it. And then, yeah, I got, I got beat say, almost you... immediately. No, I got beat almost. I just, I didn't care. Like, I, I beat myself. I'm like, ah, if I lose, I get to go home. Yeah. I, don't, I wasn't consciously thinking that, but like, we're thinking about it afterwards. That's what my subconscious was doing. It's just like, lose as quickly as possible when you can go home. Yeah, a couple of things stand out to me. Uh, one is you said you had a really bad weight cut. Yep. So I wonder how much that affected you. And if you just, you're so physically exhausted that you just, you just want it to be done already because maybe your body just wasn't feeling great. Maybe you kind of 
maybe you kind of like mentally checked out during that weight cut. Um, but then the other thing is, um, you know, it, you made a really valid point. Like, man, I could be at home. I could be doing this or that. I could be doing something else. And then I'm at this grueling tournament, you know, on, on the weekend. Why am I even here? And that is something that I'll go over with athletes. I'll, and uh, not in a negative way, but I'll just ask, I'll, I'll ask them, um, you know, you could be watching Netflix right now. You could be, you know, uh, on social media, whatever. You could be doing anything with your time. And, you know, sports are really hard and take up a lot of time and it's painful. So, like, what is your motivation and what, what do you want to get out of it? So that I guess, like, at that moment, like, why do you think you did do the tournament? Um, well, that's interesting because I, I don't – I'm trying to think back. This was a few years ago. I'm trying to think back. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. I just signed up. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever a tournament came up, I'm like, oh, sweet tournament. I'll sign up. I'll compete. So I never consciously thought about – why I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I just went, well, it's every time I could compete, I would compete. Mm-hmm. So there's potential okay. that for that one, I didn't actually give a fuck. I just signed up before, you know I mean? Like my, my brain and my, my heart weren't yeah, talking to each other. Reaction. Right. Exactly. Uh, old Matt thought, Oh, great idea. Yeah. And then Matt that day thought, ah, shit, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. So one thing that could be really, really helpful is, to really think about and write down like what your goals are, like what you want to accomplish. Yeah. And then think about what it is that you're going to have to do in order to accomplish that. Like all the hard work, you know, try to get as specific as you can. And then think about like, what are going to be all the, the downsides to doing that? It's like, what are going to be the upsides and the downsides? Yeah. And then you can. Oh, we lost you. We lost you. Start again. Continue starting again. Intermission. Oh, and now we're now we're back on recording for a second oh, yeah. one. Okay. No, no, don't that no, no nonsense. He was in a deep thought. Yeah, intermission. <laughs> no, no, was, I, when you dropped out, I started doing intermission music. So yes. with my slick editing skills. You said that we did that. Slick editing, unedited live podcast skills. Yeah, well, I can't wait. Lies. Can you move your head slightly to the left? The other left. Now go. No, no <laughs> one will ever know. <laughs> uh, we may have had a little technical hiccup there, but anyway, we we're, were back. I spice. So Matt, old Matt, thought it was a good idea. New Matt didn't want to do the comp anymore. Yeah. One thing first, I've always wanted to say fix it in post. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> fix it in post, Jamie. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. It's so be the um... people here. After the cut. <laughs> yeah. Fix it in post. Um, so it could be really helpful to get really clear on what your goals are. Mm. Like what are some concrete goals that you want to accomplish? And then actually like write it down. And then think about like what are the behaviors? Like what are the steps that you'll need to do to accomplish that goal? And then think about what are going to be the upsides and the downsides of doing those things you know, working on your skill three hours a day or whatever it might be, your nutrition, exercise, all that stuff. Get really clear on that stuff and then think what are the upsides? Like, oh, you'll you'll get better at your skill. You'll, um, you know, whatever an upside to you, it's awesome Instagram posts, um, the love and admiration of your colleagues. And then what are the downsides? Like all the hard work, 
uh, you'll miss out on maybe partying, you'll have to go to sleep early, all those things. And then when you have that written out, like really think about whether or not it's actually worth it for you. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and if it's I think that it, comes into it a lot because I'm a bit of an extremist. Um, no. So I, I don't, well, it might just be a local jiu-jitsu comp. And a lot of people, again, it's one of, it's one of my pet peeves about jiu-jitsu in general. Mm-hmm. Not against any specific other club, not against anyone in particular, just the jiu-jitsu scene in general. Mm-hmm. It's not very professional. They don't mm-hmm. approach things in a very professional athlete perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, one of the, it's one of the reasons that I was really happy to join up with the local judo gym because the guy who owns that went to the Olympics and approaches things in a much more... Regimented fashion. Yeah, a little, well, a lot more mm-hmm. peak performance-based. Like jiu-jitsu, I'm sure there are people out there that, that do a really good job at jiu-jitsu sets. It's just mm-hmm. not... It's not... This type of stuff isn't as engulfed in the, in the jiu-jitsu scene I think as much as it is in other sports. Personally, I think it's because the consequences aren't as bad. Um, that is jujitsu is like has jujitsu been around the same amount of time, or has judo been around like judo and stuff been around longer? Judo's been around a bit longer. Um, I'd say it's more because it's an Olympic sport. Yeah, I was going to say that was like, length that would of time help as well. But MMA hasn't, and MMA again, there's 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 people punching each other in the head in the garage too. But yeah, at least at, at at the there's a lot more science-based stuff starting to creep its way into MMA. And I think a lot of that is because people have transitioned from other sports into MMA. So there's people that used to be baseball players, there's people that used to be NFL players that have transitioned. So they've 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 brought brought the skills over. And I I think a lot of it comes Mm -hmm. down to is that worst case scenario in MMA, you get knocked out flat in your underwear in front of all your friends and family. So the Mm -hmm. impetus is on you to, to try that. and not let yeah. that happen. Whereas jiu-jitsu, okay, worst case scenario, you get a significant injury on that yeah. four in front of 50 people in the local gymnasium. Yeah. It's still bad, yeah. but it's not quite the same. Um, but yeah, so full circle, I'm an extremist. So I, I will have a camp. I will train before, I will go, I still drink. I'll go, I'll eat healthy. I'll exercise more. I'll like, I'll push myself to the extreme. Um, did you do that for that comp? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's what it, like, and I and I think the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. I think was the yeah. Was, right, so looking back been, on it, you'd been pushing through that camp. Well, then you had a shitty weight cut, so maybe you hadn't, maybe something hadn't gone as well as what you'd wanted it to as well. Because if you had to do a bigger mm-hmm. weight cut, well, the weight cut was, and that was that was part of it. The weight cut wasn't my fault. Again, it was put into the the way some of these competitions are run is that there's a international well there's a, there's a standard weight division that's yeah. based on pounds and if you convert that to kilograms which we use in normal countries yeah. um <laughs> it, it worked out to being i needed to be whatever 0. 0.4 yeah and then mm. they just arbitrarily decided that it round was going to be down. to round it down yeah and then so then i had to go and cut more weight in a car with the heater on and i'm like well that's again that was more to it it's like i'm I'm a pre- here we go. I'm gonna start crying. No, I'm like I'm okay. I'm doing all this hard work okay. to try and get ready for this thing, and the fucking people running it don't even give a shit. They're just yeah. kind of randomly writing fucking weight divisions down depending on what they feel like on the day. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. I think it was the. I think I jumped into it because yeah, I did competitions, and the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Right, and it sounds like there's a lot of a lot of different factors going on where. One's just starting with your training program. Yeah. There might have been 
little things here and there that you could have done just a little bit differently so that you're not burnt out at by the end um and then there was the weight cut and then which is just going to be draining uh already inherently yeah and then also like the injustice of what happened and and just feeling kind of feeling kind of screwed over yeah. can can take it out of you and kill probably your more in my head than in reality oh. but then that's how that's how yeah, i live my life well, well, yeah. right now, but then, to be fair i was gonna make fun of you but i'm not a hundred percent like your, your your mindset is a huge part of it so whether it was in your head or not is irrelevant like you, you know it is what it is whereas when i competed in judo next that was fun because that was that was different as well yeah. it was, well it was different like, and they don't do judo is not based on rank yeah, so yeah. I was potentially going to be against black belts that have been training for X while. amount of years. And I'd only been doing judo for a year or two that, at that stage. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is exciting. Yes. I get, mm. I get to test myself against this person. Like I might, I might get fucked up, but yeah. I, otherwise I might fuck someone up that's supposed to fuck me up. And that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, that could be a factor too, where you you have an idea of what works best for you and kind of throwing yourself into a little bit of danger and, you know, uh, just, just works for you. It helps you to get excited and motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't think just go desk pump. It is funny. Like you find that I'm just like reflecting on it as well. Like the BJJ side of stuff, them like I meet a broad range of people from all different, um, Mm -hmm martial art backgrounds but the the bjj guys are always generally the more like stonery dudes which you know they, they're typecast a lot you know they're st- it's, a, it's a stereotype but like then i meet you know adrian steve like anyone through taekwondo like anything like that like it's always more regimented and it's a bit more like the nerdy martial art whereas it, whereas bjj seems to be that transition into like it's a bit more spiritual as well which would it's interesting that you gravitate towards it so much actually i didn't you, i didn't start yeah i had this conversation with um we we're actually talking about uh i was talking with the the judo um coach about the the people that have the people that do jiu-jitsu that have also come and done judo nearly all of them have also fought mma or trained mma yeah right um is this? It's, I think it's a per, it's a personality trait that attracts you to yeah. to different things. Like I, I started doing Muay Thai because I was a douchebag with a mullet. Um, <laughs> nice. I, mean, I was a I was a dumb nineteen year old kid. I'm like, oh, I need to learn to. And I, I need to kick I, thing. I need I, to kick trees down with my I, bare legs. I, I love Muay Thai. Muay Thai's got Muay Thai has a lot of spirituality and Muay Thai has a lot of value. But I was attracted to it for the non valuable things yeah. initially. Yeah. I just like that looks cool. I'll get some tattoos and kick a pole. Yeah. Yeah, this, well, that's like, awesome. um, yeah, it, you do, like, you can almost pick it sometimes. You meet someone, they're like, oh, well, when I met you, and it's like, oh, you guys, you guys both fight, and we were both like, oh, this guy's going to be a dickhead. And it's like, oh, he's a kickboxer, and I'm like, he's going to be a dickhead. He does Taekwondo, and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a dickhead. They sat us down outside together, and look what happened. We're both dickheads. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Then you learned that you were a dickhead. Yeah. Oh, you mean you I'm a dickhead too? Oh, right. Okay. That puts it into perspective. All right, so I find that if you, talk to, if you talk to someone who's done martial arts for a while, like if you talk to them, if you go back far enough, there's a time when they were getting picked on. Yeah, they were getting ne- bullied. Nearly everyone I know who does martial arts, if you go back far enough, there was a time when they were getting picked on. That I said that to someone the other day. I can't remember if it was Miles or someone. Like I said it almost like it was common knowledge. And he was like, what? I'm like, 
We got picked on, man. Like, yeah. It might have been, it was Steve, it was one of those guys who now is like, the, he's like a, a yeah. tough guy, basically. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, when we started doing it, because we were getting bullied, and he was like, what? <laughs> I was never bullied. I'm like, fuck off, man. Yes, we were. Like, I remember, it might have been Miles, actually. I can't remember. It was funny, though. I laughed. But I used to have a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> who would have picked on me? He's stroking his luscious, luscious locks. So there's people without any beautiful mullets. <laughs> Where is it now? I don't know, it's gone. Just got a box. I've lost my power. <laughs> just got a box. Oh, now I've stopped fighting, haven't I? And I can't win. <laughs> like, um, Samson. Is it Samson or Hercules? They cut his hair and he lost all his strength. There's this old photo of me when I went... Um, it was when I was just transitioning to doing jiu-jitsu. It was my first comp. Oh, I thought you were talking about that video. Oh, no, that video's pretty bad, I'm going to see if I can screenshot that video. One moment, please. Yeah, that's going to work. Just to... I'll turn the volume down. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's a picture of me standing in the crowd of all these people getting ready to compete. And I've got my hands crossed. I've got this beautiful mullet. And I've got a Ferrari jacket. I don't know if you have those Ferrari jackets in America. Those, like, look at me Ferrari jackets. And, like, it's just I stand out like dog's balls. It's like, what's this peacock doing around all these normal people? Now, I've, uh, my, that's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm going to have to Google ah, I think I got it. I think yeah, I got it. Got the I think I got it. Come on. Yes! He's got it. All right. Now, this will be the test. Do you yep, recognize, I do you recognize like, this man? Can James figure out where the camera's coming from? <laughs> that's an Everlast. That is an Everlast singlet. <laughs> it's uh, a, Look, look at this. Look at this mullet here. 10 kilos overweight, but thinking I can lift. Beautiful mullet. And Everlast singlet. No, you just need the nunchuck. Look at it. It needs its own postcode. That's that's nothing, and that must have been just started. I I dyed it. That was like multicolored after a while, because then I went from from douchebag to party boy. So then I got some pink cheeks through that bad boy. Oh, you are just, you disgust me. I was out there wrecking hearts. <laughs> I had a wrecking hearts and bumming smokes. Tail. I had a rat's tail at one point. Yeah, I used to platter. Yeah, it was like. And you so, so you had a rat's tail, and you're giving me shit having a mullet. Yeah, I was a security guard. How do people know? How are people going to know I was tough if I didn't have a rat's tail? Man? <laughs> so it makes me laugh now. You meet people sometimes, and they're like, "Oh my god." You did security? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, I can't see you as a security guard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's because yeah. I didn't look like I do. That's because I was the friendly one they sent in first, but I was still a douchebag. Yeah. Someone the other day mm. were like, oh, yeah, but you wouldn't have gotten the fights, would you? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to say that I was the friendly one and then the big guys came in, but, yeah, it's kind of hard to get out of that situation once you're in it. Yeah, guys are pretty basic. You can, you can, You can... Get things, most things back to insecurity. Yeah. Whether it's the, the reason that first made you do martial arts, is the reason that you grew a mullet or a rat's tail yeah. and wanted to be the big tough security guard. Like, yeah, I want to be a tough guy. Most, who hurt you? Who, yeah. who hurt you, my child? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, now I feel left out because I've never had a mullet or a rat's tail. Well, it's still one. time. <laughs> it's still time, man. Still got a luscious head of hair. Like, yeah. you, know many, you know how many 25-year-olds would kill for a hair like, haircut like yours? <laughs> I'm hoping I went under. <laughs> so you work with women's soccer, so you won't even be the only one with a mullet. <laughs> oh, you might have the longest hair. It's possible. That's sexist, James. Yeah, see, so my wish is commenting on fashion. You went sexist. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. But uh, to go back to your Change earlier, this subject real quick. You're going to pay to this, James. Shut up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Even GSP, uh, Joe St. Pierre, <laughs> has know. a story about how he used to be bullied. So that's why he got into karate and then uh, his history happened. Yeah. Have, you, have you heard his story about, I can't remember what it was on. <laughs> uh, I, heard it, I heard him talking about when he met his bully again. Oh, yeah. um, and his yeah, bully was like that. idolizing him, and his bully was like a drug addict washing, like trying to wash his car window or something. Yeah. I might be paraphrasing again. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, GSP, <laughs> if he's wrong, let us know. We'll let, and you can set the story story straight. Come on, GSP, you're on next. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, he's talking about how um, it was because GSP's one of those people that's very, very honest. That's why we uh, GSP's one of my favorite fighters. He's my favorite straight man. You got Tra- a little what something on your nose? All right, mate. Congratulations. Insecurity. Speaking of insecurity. What? Um, GSP is one, one of my favorite fighters. Um, but he's so honest about the emotions and everything that goes on behind it. Like, it really gives you a peek behind. Because the, the instinct is to be like, nah, I'm big. I'm, I'm big. tough guy. I smash. Um, mm. But it, you, don't, you don't lose anything. Like You don't get any less tough by talking about your feelings. It doesn't affect anything. Mm. And yeah, I, just, I found that story about him talking about even after being a world champion about how he still had a bit of a chip on his shoulder because this dude picked on him when he was 12 years old. Yeah. Sounds like the dude, like it sounds like it wasn't just run of the mill picked on. It sounds like GSP was kind of the, the bottom. Like it sounds like he was getting shit on pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about mm. like the relief that he felt when he finally forgave this guy. Like he ended up like apparently like gave him money, took a fanboy photo mm. with him and like wished him well. But he remembers like, you know, at some part of him, he was training to fight this dude. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, to see him, to, to see what, funnily enough, the people that pick on you in high school usually don't make it very far in life. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's a cliche for a reason that the top bully is bold and washing cars. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, that attitude doesn't get you very far in life. But at the time, it really sucks to be the 12 year old that's getting picked on. Mm. Right, right. Jason's yeah, like, oh, yeah. Man, and, and, it's because he didn't have a wallet. <laughs> Dang, what was I going to say? Um, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, G- GSP was on a, another podcast recently, and uh, he was talking about how he he would feel terrified before his fights. Yeah. And people would try to tell him, don't say, don't say you're scared, say you feel excited. And he was like, no, actually... I know what excitement feels like, and I'm actually really yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was banging three supermodels last week. This ain't exciting. <laughs> this is different. Yeah, yeah. French Canadian so supermodels. So just the acceptance of of those negative emotions, like it's so even at the top of the game, and arguably the greatest uh, MMA fighter of all time, or at least like the, what would happen? You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, so um, even at that level, you still feel scared, and it's okay to feel scared. That's just a natural, a natural reaction. It's like a few of the guys we talk to that are veterans. Like they similar, similar tangent. Like you know, they're talking about when they go and fight and stuff. Like they're still, they're still shit scared. It's just they've been taught mm-hmm. coping mechanisms to to deal with that fear and run at people that are yeah. shooting at you. But. Um, yeah, they probably take it the next level. Like, I think it's obviously getting better now, but they've obviously struggled with then coming back into society and and dealing with yeah, where that all sort of lines back up into community into society. Right, right, exactly. 
Well, you, you might be able to shed more light on this because I'm going to say wrong. I'm going to say wrong dates and wrong figures. Um, but taking it full circle back, I feel like it was. They did some study on a war. Let's say World War Two for the sake of it. <laughs> about how many percentage of people actually fired their weapons at the enemy, and it was a really low number because humans aren't programmed to hurt other humans. Like it's. I, I, to me, it was one of the, it was one of the, the, the nicest things I'd ever heard when they were talking about the reluctance of human beings to kill, to kill other people. And the clo- again, long story short, the closer you get to doing the act, the less likely you are to do it. Yeah. So you know, bow and arrow better than sword, sword better than fist. Um, but it was it was something like twenty percent or ten percent or thirty. It was it was a very low number that were actually firing at the enemy. A lot of them were kind of doing kind of doing these ones yeah, and shooting old, off. Old, mm. oh, I'm trying. And then it was followed by how the army had used that to then bump bump those rookie numbers up and the programs they got. But they they were linking it to potentially some of the psychological damage because they were they were training people to bypass their normal human emotions or compartments, like ignore them essentially and do what they needed to do. So it was like instead of going, I need to do this feel bad action, it was I need to do this action. They were getting rid of the the thought pattern and, mm. and the the thing I was watching was alluding to and then that me like some that stuff that attic door is gonna open eventually. Like that, yeah. All that shit that you're pushing down eventually is gonna come out. And they were linking it to a lot of the PTSD stuff is saying it's it's um suppression of emotions at the time leading to increased rates of, of PTSD. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I've heard about those those studies or that study, I haven't like, actually read it myself. Yeah, but it's so my figures are right. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty or ten or thirty or something. <laughs> I remember yeah. the gist of it. Less than a hundred. <laughs> Less than a hundred percent, exactly. Wait, which is if you're yeah. in charge of the army, that's what you want. Yeah. No, it's not what you want. Why? You want a hundred percent, don't you? Thought we say the same thing. Jason, you talk. I get the sense out of you. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's you're you're right about um, how if you're just suppressing your emotions that way, eventually it's it's going to come out in some unexpected way at some unexpected time. Uh, I, I I don't want to talk about this too much because I don't remember the study, but yeah. there's something about people like the soldiers who who do drone strikes like they're they're like really separated from it all they're kind of just pressing buttons but it's still like over time it leads to all kinds of personal trauma for them um but yeah just uh, you you have to you have to face those emotions at some point you can't just kind of keep moving and doing these things that that are uh, harmful to yourself and others and then they're not be any kind of consequence. Like I remember like in, in high school biology, I think I learned, they, they said uh, there's no free lunches in yeah. biology. No one rides for Every, free. Yeah, exactly. So th- that's, that's what happens when you're doing these things. Well, that, that's certainly what, you know, I can't, I can't speak to things I didn't do, but on a lesser scale, that's certainly what I've, I've realized mm-hmm. in my life is that, you know, as a younger man, it's like, I'll ignore that and problem solved. And eventually mm-hmm. We, we say it all the time when we're talking to each other, like, oh, how full is your cup? Yeah. Eventually, your cup gets full, and it doesn't matter, or, the, you know, or you use the straw that broke the camel's back. It doesn't matter what the last little bit of water you do to fill up that cup. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that the, the thing that made the cup overfill was so minor that it's almost 
um, inconsequential. Mm-hmm. The cup was full either way, and the cup was full because of all the stuff that you've been pouring in there, ignoring. You've got to, yeah. you've got to kind of work on it. You've got to work on it when it's convenient, so that it doesn't bubble up when it's inconvenient. Mm. Right, exactly, and that reminds me of uh, the mental health screeners that I'll do with student athletes. Um, if they if they're really open about what's going on, then I don't worry about them too much. I recommend different things. Hopefully, they'll come in and get treatment. Uh, but it's the athletes who uh, who say everything's fine. They don't have any problems at all. Everything's great. I start to worry about those athletes because it's most likely that what they're saying is not true, and then they're not going to be dealing with the problems that are actually there. Or you've got the golden goose. I always say, like, if it, there's a certain there's a certain benefit. I won't say dumb. There's a certain benefit to having really basic thinking patterns and being mm-hmm. an athlete, I think. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it also contributes to why some people get worse with age. Is that, that it can be very beneficial to to be so unaware of potential consequences. If you don't know that something's bad, then you don't need to worry about it. And then you can perform really well. But, I, but that's what I think is you see those some athletes that then like fighting's a great one. You see these guys that are yeah. world killers and they get beaten once and then they can't beat anyone. Yeah. It's like that confidence. It's, it's because they well again I'm projecting onto other people, but in my opinion, yeah. it's because they never contemplated the thought that they might lose. You see a lot of um, a lot of them are very religious as well. Like there's a lot of people that they believe that whether you're religious or not is is um, regard is irrelevant, but there's some of them that they believe they're God's chosen. They believe that they are, they are, um, they're supposed to win by, by being blessed from above. Like there's a reason whether, whatever you want, whatever God it is, whatever religion it is, like someone has decided that they're supposed to win. And then when they, when that, when reality meets what they've got in their head, you see them crash and burn. Right. So yeah, there, I have noticed uh, with some athletes that, Having kind of a maybe a naive mindset yes. can be really helpful, but then, like you said, like when they do face that first loss or you know some some kind of setback happens for the first time, then then it becomes an issue. It's like okay, right? Like, it wasn't like, a possibility before. At least if you've been mm-hmm. anxious about it, you've thought about it, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, that is a thought process I've had now. So if it happens, I should be able mm-hmm. to deal with it. If you've never thought about it, you get blindsided. You're like, shit, well, this wasn't, this was never an option. Like, this is a, this is a whole new, like, piece of information that I've got to absorb and try and work through now. Right, exactly. They can start questioning their identity. Like, they, maybe before they thought, like, oh, I'm, I'm the best, I'm number one, I'm all these things. And then now they lose, and like, oh, do I suck? Am I, yeah. you know, am I with anything? You know, so... That that can be a struggle. So something something I do with some of my um, some of my guys, yeah, I'll, I'll bounce it off you. You tell me if this this makes sense or not. So <laughs> visualization is obviously a big thing, um, and there's all those studies that kind of show that visual, visualization can actually lead to improvement in skill and performance as well. So one of the things, but on the flip side, you also don't want to you want to be aware of negative things that can happen, but you also don't want to spend all your time yeah. fixating and getting yeah. that balance. So what I like to say is, what I want you to do is I want you to, before you go to bed every night or before you go to lunch or when you're sitting on the at a time period for you that's regular, I want you to spend five minutes just visualizing all the ways that this can go well. 
And I want you to do that every day. I want you to, as much as you can, I want you to keep visualizing the positive outcomes. Then if that works, that works. And if people are starting to feel a bit anxious, the other thing I like them to do is I like them to sit down and write down the negative. Because from, in my mind, I want you to, I want you to keep the good and I want you to deal with and expel the bad. So even like symbolically, I like people to burn that piece of paper. Um, if people don't want to do that, that's fine. It sounds like a hassle, but I like them to keep po- keep visualizing the positive and the negative, write it down on a piece of paper and or burn it. Chuck it in the bin if you want. But in my mind, it's like it's acknowledging the negative that can happen because you don't want to be blind to it, but, but you want to get rid of it out of your head. I'm like, I've acknowledged that I've moved on, problem solved until I do it again next time. Um, whereas the positive, I want you to keep washing yourself with positivity. Now, does that is any of that bro science backed up with, with actual advice you would give? <laughs> Or is there something I could do to tweak it to make it better? I love the the term bro science. Yeah. Um, but it, it does sound like there's a lot of value in that. Um, when somebody has a lot of worry and they, they just kind of think about something over and over again, uh, it could be help For some people, it could be helpful to just write those things down. And then, because sometimes they do it because they're afraid that they'll forget something mm. and like they need, they need to worry about it. Um, so just writing it down can get it on paper. Now it's there, so you're not going to forget it. Um, so that could be helpful. And then there is the the symbolism of you know p- putting something down on paper and then getting rid of it. Um, some people will uh, you know think of like a toilet flushing, yeah. and then that's like you're flushing the negativity. Um, and then to go back to GSP, one of the things he does is he does a lot of visualization of uh, you know of, of him doing well and winning and then maybe 15 or 20 percent of the time he visualizes him starting in some kind of bad position or something bad just happened yeah and then he realizes like how he's going to get out of it and then get to you know the successful part oh, that's a good idea so that's, like adding a positive mm-hmm. outcome to a, a smaller mm-hmm. negative yeah yeah, yeah. not you, you wouldn't want them visualizing getting knocked out, but if you visualize like getting caught in mount or something and then fighting your way back mm. out of it, because it's programming mm-hmm. subconsciously, it's programming your brain to be like, in, in, if this happens, do this. It's the same way. Well, it's normal because that, that's what you, what you don't want is the panic. Yeah. You don't want to be in a bad position yeah. and it's the first time you've ever been in a bad position. So we do a lot of that in our training. Like, we're, we're not mm-hmm. visualizing, like, I'm going to put you in a bad position yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. You're going to be so fucking miserable in this bad position that if it ever happens, you'll be like, ah, oh, it's just this again. Yeah. Really? You want to get but if you could, it, you could yeah. visualize it and then they don't have to be miserable. Yeah. It takes or... the fun out of it for me. But... <laughs> <Saddest>. <laughs> and it's important that it's fun for you. Too, yeah. So. Well, you got to keep yourself entertained <laughs> as a coach. That's what you learn. <laughs> why, why are we selling this position? I don't know. It's <laughs> my popcorn. <laughs> Punch you in the head. <laughs> I want to see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, I've run out of things to say. My brain just stopped. Well done, me. Brain, James's brain has reached its point. It's usually a good indicator. It's usually a good indicator. It's about five minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, seven. Seven minutes. Well, no, we probably are pretty close to being on time. So, But this has been interesting. Yeah, this has been... This has been uh, well, like I said, I like the last podcast we did. We talked about... Cool. Not, not that I don't, don't like the other podcast. Don't get up, don't get jealous, everybody else. I just like Jason. But just, do, just do better other podcasts. Yeah, just try better. Just try a little bit better. Yeah. Get yourself out there. Maybe you come back on too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and GSP, hit us up. GSP. 
One final thought, because I've remembered it. How <laughs> this ties in, I don't know. It was just something cool that I... Again, things that fighters do. I like to, you like to, I like to pick things some other people did. And I don't know how to fit this in with my philosophy, but Ensign Inoue used to write letters before he got in the cage. And they were... Oh, to all of his... Yeah, I remember you telling me that. He used to write letters to all of his loved ones, like, as you would write if you passed away. So, like, in his mm-hmm. head, he used to write... I mean, like, it sounds like it took him a while. Like, it wasn't like a... a hey, mum, yeah. thanks. See you later. Like, he used to write long, detailed letters to people. Um, because in his mind, he was willing to die in that case. Mm-hmm. For him, it was a warrior symbology. And he's trying to fit... Again, yeah. I don't really I don't really have a question attached to it. I just think that's cool. <laughs> Thoughts? It does sound cool. Uh, one thing that comes... Like, if other people try to do it, that could be really draining for them, mm-hmm. especially if they're not used to expressing themselves that way. Yeah. Um, well, he never showed them to anyone. He never gave them to them. Mm-hmm. Like, he, they were yeah. literally like, I've wrote, well, again, I've, I think this is what happened, because um, I've never mm-hmm. asked him about it, but he'd write mm-hmm. them and put them somewhere, so it was almost like, if I die, give, give these, these to these yeah. people. So yeah. really, you could just recycle it, but I feel like he hand-wrote them new every time. Yeah. Either way, it'd be depressed. Like, I, I, I personally would find that depressing, not empowering. I'd be like, oh... Mm-hmm. Actually, I get it, yeah. They're, I understand that, but yeah. I just don't think that would be very effective for me. Uh, if there was like a slightly toned down version, I think it would be work for me. Like if you'd pre-written an SMS message. <laughs> <laughs> Scheduled it to send after your fight and you had to cancel the schedule. I think I'm just lazy, actually. I, like, I really, really like the idea. I, just, I think the thought of sitting down and writing a letter is what's worrying me, which, which probably says a lot about me. Yeah, oh, yeah the whole, yeah, visualising my death, yeah, I can... That's, <laughs> but the writing a letter... Oh, we should start a <laughs> But that's a, that's a really great point because for some people, doing that could be energising, it could motivate them, get them focused. But then, even for that same person at a different time, it could be then draining. Like yeah. it really depends on the context. Yeah. There's a, 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 there's a, or there was a guy named Ken Revisa who was sort of like the grandfather of sports psychology. He worked with all kinds of world champions. He was great, and he he used to tell the story about how um, you know the mental game is always changing. Mm. Like it's not just set and you learn one thing and it's good. That's what a lot of times. Oh, yeah. And different yeah. things work for different people. Exactly. Because like I've, exactly. I've tried to explain why I liked fighting to people, and mm-hmm. like so like in a nutshell, I liked it because you got to be free. It's the it's one of the mm-hmm. only times in your life I don't have to worry about if I use the wrong terminology, this person might get upset. Like I have to punch that person in the face before they punch mm-hmm. me in the face, and I don't have to worry about anything else. It's like it's it's almost free from anxiety. Like I don't have to worry about anything else. At all. Whereas I've explained that to some people. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. You look at, and you say it to other people and they look at you blankly. So, And like, these are fighters themselves. So everyone, everyone's brain worked different. Good, Matt. Good, Matt. Sentence. sentence. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's different. Everybody, in that same situation, they could feel it completely differently. Mm. Or they might feel free um, giving a presentation or, yeah. you know, rock climbing or whatever it might be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so as, as far as, um, you know, getting back to uh, how the mental game is always changing, uh, this guy, Ken Revisit, had the story about how, you know, the night before some championship, 
uh, him and the, the coach and the team that he was working with, they all got together and like it had been a tough season. So they, they all had a team meeting and they did this symbolism thing where they said, okay, every, all the trouble, all the hassles, you know, we're going to talk about it out loud and then we're going to put it into, into this hole, like this symbolic hole. Yeah, yeah. And then Chuck they got it all. Yeah, exactly. And they, they got it all out. They felt great. And then the next day they competed great and they won. And then the next season, before, the night before, uh, they talked about that again. And like, oh, remember how we did that thing? Let's do that again. That was great. And then that time they were drained. They were, you know, they didn't perform well and, and they lost and they didn't have a great performance. So it's it always depends on context. It, there's always all these different moving parts when yeah. it comes to the mental game. Hmm. Hmm. I've run out of things to say to you too. I've hit my, I've hit my Jimmy Bang Bang point. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a fun chat. Oh, I enjoyed having this conversation, even if we weren't recording it. Yeah, that's the yeah. sign of a good podcast. All right, Do you have nice. Any closing thoughts or a message you would like to impart to us before we stop recording? Uh, let's see. Oh. oh, I was listening. I was catching up on some uh, some episodes, and then uh, just to put it on the the bucket list. Uh, we got to talk about uh, poo or books about poo yep. in some way real quick. Uh, we got to talk about someone named Skippy uh, real quick. I, I think that's. <laughs> he's, he's flying. Actually, he's, he's, he's flying, in Adelaide he's right now. He's flying into Adelaide right now. Skippy? Yeah, all right. <laughs> we, should get him, we should get him on the. We should do a three way. <laughs> and then also, there's, there's no time for nonsense. No, uh, no, no so, time for messing around. We want to get straight to the point. Yeah. No, no, no dilly dally. We haven't got any time to be mucking about. No time for nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Let's get straight to the point. We're very busy, man. We're all three busy, busy men. Busy. I am actually very busy. I'm a busy man. Busy man. But, so we'll get straight to the point. No straight, mucking yeah, about. No fucking around. Show in there. Right down to it. Hashtag get, uh, no time for nonsense. <laughs> Hashtag Jim Jammu. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you very much for coming on. We will be in touch. I do, I do. Yeah, we we do peace signs now. Yeah, it's coming on. Yes. <laughs>